I'm Ricardo Fuller and you're listening to the Wizard of Drivel podcast. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. In this episode, we're going to be taking a step back and looking at the season so far a quarter of the way through. With the international break underway, we thought it'd be a good idea to make you forget about the England game with our highlights and lowlights of Gary Rowett's first 12 games in charge. Though if you did want to forget about a complete waste of time where we don't really learn anything and and played out to a minuscule audience, this may not be the podcast for you. Joining me is Tom Thrower. Hi. You're right, Tom. How's your weekend been? All right. Yeah, uneventful. Uneventful. Well, yeah, it is one of those uh, dreaded international weekends, and to be honest, I don't really mind them too much. It's nice to just take a breather because I feel like we've kind of needed a breather so far and I don't kind of hate international football as much as everyone else seems to and I kind of make that case on Twitter and stuff and then England and Croatia play an absolute stinker and I'm like oh yeah (laughs) why do I like international football again yeah no but it's great you've got like James McLean offering out Jurgen Klopp and the entire Denmark team in the weekend so that's fun oh that's good I missed that he, because uh, Klopp said this about the Nations League being stupid, and of course, Mister McLean, I think, quite enjoys playing for his country. Mm. I, 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 I might have heard that somewhere. So he basically told Jurgen where to stick his opinions. It was quite, it was quite interesting. Yeah, um, I did see him being interviewed after that game. He is, he's got a, quite a terrifying face because the, the camera was really close up, and we've got a, you know, quite a big telly. It's just like Jesus Christ. He's like, um, you know, Tormund off of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones yeah, he's yeah. not quite Tormund level beard, but he'd be like one of the wildling, you know, top top generals. He's he's, yeah, you don't, wouldn't want to cross James McLean. Yeah, his cast really suits him, doesn't it? Like, yeah. him and Jamie Vardy should just always be yeah. wearing a cast. Like, they should always look like they've just been in a scrap. Yeah. And and I think he'll just consider that a mere flesh wound, and I don't think uh, he feels pain like ordinary humans. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much everything covered. But we'll uh, press on anyway with the uh, pre-planned questions, which is kind of slightly ripping off the Sentinel. Uh, just kind of taking a look back at our first twelve games so far, looking at our favourite players moments anything else we've enjoyed and looking at uh, our least favorite moments players and all the rest of it as well so um we'll start on a happy note tom what has been your biggest positive about the season so far um i've i've really liked m- most if not all of our new signings like i feel it's been a long time since we signed new players and like all of them just decided to make us better so like Afobi is the best striker we've had for a while. Etebo and Ince are both really solid. I love Ryan Woods. And then, like, even Martina and McLean have been, like, all right. So, yeah, I think that the signings have been good, the ones that we have brought in. Mm. Uh, quite an omission for Adam Federici there. You're not, uh, you're not counting him as, as one well, of our big, well, big signings. There's only one Stoke goalkeeper who's kept a clean sheet against Premier League opposition so far this season. So, yeah, yeah. even Adam Federici's been great. Yeah, Jack, raise your game. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, that, that's been um, a fairly uh, common 
theme when people have been talking about Gary Rowett. It's, you know, whatever you say about his start to the season, the signings have been pretty much universally good, uh, with the one exception of Ashley Williams, of course. Um, and I suppose, do we have to give credit to our recruitment team for getting these players in? Yeah, I, I sort of sat, when you sent me the questions, I sat and looked at it and thought about it. And I think I thought about it when I was writing that bit about Woods. I was just sat there like, huh, so our midfield was really weak. So we signed a shitload of midfielders who were all pretty good. And our attack was pretty weak. So we've signed like a brand new front three and they're all pretty good. So like, maybe... Maybe we've been a bit too harsh on them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've always quite liked Mark Cartwright. I don't think he um, does as much wrong as a certain other person. But, yeah, I think that might be getting off topic. Yeah. Um, I, to, to be honest, I don't consider myself like well-versed in the, the full transfer workings of the club, as some people, I think, claim to do. They claim to know like who's signing which player and what each individual's role is within every single negotiation. Uh, but uh, if you are interested in hear, hearing another kind of uh, slant on the Mark Cartwright role, uh, I think Sam did an article on Wizards, I think during the summer, so uh, by all means check that out. Uh, for me though, our biggest positive uh, is just a sense of it's more a sense of excitement really. It's going to games and just being generally quite excited. And that's not because we're the best team, far from it. It's because it's the championship, anything can happen. And as much as I want us to go up, I do, I'm really enjoying this kind of, you know, six or seven home games last season, you just knew we were going to lose. Well, possibly more than that last season. So many games in Premier League, you'd turn up knowing we'd gonna get beat, and it'd be how many we got beat by. But this, it's just, it's just fun again. Football's fun. Yeah, it's it's nice, isn't it? I think that was the thing that Undershoes made it so easy for if you were sort of of the opinion that we should have got rid of him. It was just the fact that it was so like, like you said, we turn up to games and you'd be like, right, so how many are we gonna lose by today, rather than anything? And that monotony's been broken up. So yeah, I'm definitely with you on the like. It's exciting. You you go in. Oh, okay. Who've we got today? Oh, okay. This could be a good game. And like Stoke are scoring goals. That's that's mm. great. We haven't done that for ever. Like literally ever. It's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. We. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think even in my lifetime, possibly not even like under. Never under Pulis were we a goal scoring team. Obviously, Mark Hughes, we finished higher than we've ever done. But even then, we were, we'd never like batter teams apart from Liverpool that time. Uh, and it was, it's just bizarre. Maybe it's like going back to Johan Boskamp for this free flowing attacking Stoke City. Um, but yeah, that 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 is factored into the the fun of going, knowing that even if we go a goal down, two goals down, we we probably will end up scoring. I think have we scored in. Every game bar the Wigan game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and like two goals in games more than we've ever done before mm. at this stage in the season. I think something like that. Yes, so that that's a positive. Uh, but we'll uh, switch up uh, your biggest negative of the season so far. 
just sort of the defense's obsession with the glowing red button that has self-destruct printed on it somewhere that they just keep hitting and i think it is frustrating as someone who thinks rowett's doing quite a good job which i suppose we'll get onto a bit later but and i just think that that's really letting him down that the defense just have it in them to go oh whoops we've conceded right okay go oh no we've conceded oh oh, oh no it's three I just think that was an awful period and let's just please have it as an awful period that we all look fondly back on at the end of the season and be like, huh, remember when our defence was useless. Um, yeah, and they're just painfully stupid goals as well. And even players like Bruno, who I thought was going to be one of the best defenders in this league, just turns off. I mean, mm. Shawcross and Williams as well have both done it. And it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, Stoke, like, fuck off. Please yeah. don't do that. Yeah, the, I think the thing with our defenders is they're not bad players. They're just either in this bit of form or they they just have this kind of maybe it's been an attitude problem where they're like they're they're all capable of being among the top defenders in the league. I think even Shawcross, who we might discuss later, um, they just they're really good defenders who make a mistake a game or two mistakes a game and that might make them bad defenders but it's it's like Ashley Williams in that game against Rotherham for example he's like faultless apart from two massive errors that end up in yeah. the back of the net so it's it's yeah it's like it's like you say it's like it's that concentration and it's it, all it takes is you switching off for 30 seconds and we've just been kind of doing that consistently, you know, 85 minutes of solid defending and then, oh God, what is this football panic? You know, where where are these players coming from? And uh, the likes of uh, Powell and Dak have kind of been the best players at, at exploiting that. Um, for me, I guess my frustration is uh, obviously the start to the season was difficult and certainly the first six games or so we you know we had some really poor results and some poor performances in there and that is my biggest negative obviously like losing games is you know no one likes that but it's like it's the frustration of just that falling out of the uh, the traps almost and i i think it's it's not so much that we've lost these games because Everyone came out and said, oh, you all thought we were going to get promoted as champions and, you know, now look at us, you know, you were all so confident and it shows, you know, we're nowhere near as good as we thought we are. It's 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 not so much that, it's like, I, I expected us to lose games over the start of the season, uh, well, over the course of the season, and I knew it would be difficult. It's just like, did we need to fall to earth that Hard that and that hard, fast, yeah. it and so it was like, yeah. If if we'd have maybe spread out the bad results over the course of the the twelve games, maybe fans would be looking at it slightly different, slightly differently. Although, um, certainly the way it's gone, the season seems to be on a bit of an upswing now, and perhaps we needed that that rude awakening, if you like, to to prompt uh, what we've seen in recent weeks. Yeah, it's like, did we really need to go 2-0 down to every single team who yeah. got promoted from League One last season? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I agree with that. But I do think that come 
the end of the season, whatever, it, it, we'll look back on it as a, right, good, that showed us that we are still frail in places and if not showed that some players are maybe finished at this level, showed that they need to sort of work on their own games or their own mentalities or something to sort themselves out and get themselves back up to where they should be playing. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. We've even twisted the one of the biggest negatives into the se- of the season into a positive. So uh, things are looking good. Uh, another you know positive question: best moment of the season so far. And Tom, I think there's only one answer here, but I'm I'm interested to hear yours. Yeah, I'm it, 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 I'm gonna be really shocked if we haven't got the same answer. But um, big old Stoke City rolling up into bastard. Is it in South Yorkshire? South Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Rolling up into South Yorkshire, going 2-0 down, and then he comes. He comes and he saves us. Genuinely, that that Bojan goal, if you needed a cure for everything, like everything wrong in the world, not just like illnesses and things, just like just bad things going on, just give people a, a pot of Bojan's goal and mm. just... Tell them to like apply it once a day. Bloody hell, that was just. I was sat at home as well. I was sat at home watching it on my own, and I went mental. I haven't done that over Stoke for a long time, and I just think it was perfect that it was to draw away at Rotherham. No yeah. offense to Rotherham, <laughs> but I think that just makes it Stoke, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's completely that. Is what's it? You know, looking objectively, I I could. I can you can make a case of that being our best moment of the past two and a half years, <laughs> and it's to get a draw against Rotherham, where we nearly cocked it up, and but it was just kind of the context of it, and obviously you were a bad fan and didn't go. I was a good fan and went to the game, and um, we were all chanting uh, for Bojan to come on pretty much from the second minute of the game when things were still nil nil, and uh, to kind of. Have that, but but that, when he comes on, obviously you you kind of you're bricking it on his behalf, and he's like, oh god, he 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 kind of needs a goal just to kind of justify the faith in him, which is completely bollocks because any other player doesn't have that kind of pressure on them. Where if they don't turn up this once, they they get all piled in on. But Bojan having had the loans and you know all the rest of that history there, and and then. It's a header as well. Yeah. He ever scores header, and it was just—it was a beautiful goal. And uh, yeah, I'm stood on the seat of the person in front of me. I'm hugging this man I've never met. It was—it was just marvelous. It was absolutely marvelous, 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 um, <laughs> uh, as Nello says. Um, um, yeah, if you could just bottle that feeling, you'd have a really dangerous drug on your hands because that was just. <laughs> The, the rush of endorphins of, of that crowd must have been fantastic. And then you've got the iconic shot of uh, him nearly being wiped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I really, I think it's, it was, it, some people mentioned it, but it was really underplayed. I really enjoyed how Eric Peters told that steward to piss off. I, yeah. like, I, I love that. It shows that like they do care about the fans a little bit and like they understand us. And yeah, yeah. it was nice. Lovely stuff. Um, one other moment just for kind of... Well, there's a couple of other moments. They both came in the same game. Uh, the Huddersfield Cup game <laughs> gave us 
the best own goal I think I'll ever see in a stick match. You, you can't. Yeah, it was you perfect. Couldn't, you, you couldn't try to do a better own goal than that. That was just majestic. Um, and also, Saido Berahino finally scoring a goal. I, as crap a goal as it was, and, you know, it was almost a known goal. And pretty much all of his goals so far have been <laughs> utterly toilet. But, you know, you take them everywhere they come with Saido. And, yeah, uh, that that moment too was, um, yeah, that was pretty pretty special. I enjoyed it. Um, so we'll uh, switch it round now for your for worst moment. I think that my worst moment, I don't really know if it was a specific moment, but it was, but I think it's Shawcross being dropped. Um, it was like, not as in the actual dropping of him, the dropping of him was totally the right decision, but the fact that this is what it's come to, mm. that sort of Ryan Shawcross, who has been just, he, he is the club for a lot of people. I mean, you, you want to moan about when people started supporting, et cetera, et cetera, whatever, I don't care. Shawcross has just been Stoke City for forever to neutrals and people who don't pay attention to Stoke. Shawcross is what they imagine us to be. And mm. his struggles have just been like horrible because he's given so much to us and he's such a great bloke and such a great captain as well that it's horrible to see him not being able to perform to what he can perform to. And almost the fact that Williams has come in and who hasn't been amazing, but has still been better than him is also just like, just, just unpleasant really. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I I completely share your sentiments on on Shawcross, and I do kind of get really riled up when I when I when I, it's not criticism of Shawcross that I take a, um, objection to. It's like needless just sniping and stuff, and like he deserves so much better. And the amount of comments uh, I read in his favour, like the amount of comparisons to Dennis Smith from older Stoke fans and they're entirely justified he's been here 10 years you know and you know 10 of the more successful years in our history Mm. it's not often we've kind of had an extended spell in the top flight and not often we've made that continuous improvement and first ever cup final captain and all the rest of it and uh, yeah he he deserves better than what he gets from a small minority of comments and yeah, I, I totally agree. It has been it has been really sad, and I hope that he can still play a role. Where you know, even if he's not playing every week, I hope he can still uh, come in and contribute. And I'm sure he can. Um, I, I think I read on Twitter from one of these ITKers uh, that he was offered a testimonial in the summer, but doesn't, but didn't yeah. want one uh, now because he doesn't think it's right with his career still going on and I think that's kind of uh, an indication that he's you know he's a really humble guy he's really down to earth and he yeah like yeah like I said he he is the club and it was kind of remember when we had Abdullah Fai on the Britannia Stadium for, <laughs> for what seemed like yeah, five years long after he'd gone uh, yeah that that could be Ryan Shawcross for the next 10 years I think uh, what he's done for the club is goes massively underappreciated but I think once he does kind of leave the club in whatever way then then he'll get a fitting send-off uh, for me my worst moment um, it's a toss-up between the Wigan game which was just kind of the most de- 
depressed had felt after a Stoke game in ages because it was such an inept performance and it was like it was like the the shock of just how far we'd fallen where this was a team that was playing in League One and they'd pretty much battered us and I think we did we have a good 10 minutes at the start of that game or something and then we just completely crumbled again thanks to these defensive errors and Ashley Williams tried to get himself sent off and it was it was appalling and so that was horrible in one sense but there's another kind of horrible which is where you have your hopes raised and then dashed and that's the side miss penalty against Blackburn where as crap as we were against Blackburn, stealing a 3-3 from 3-0 down is... I can't remember us doing that. Re- well, not recently, but I don't. I can't think of a time we've done that off the top of my head. So, some yeah, two different kinds of devastating stokeness uh, right there, both against teams from, from up my way as well. Not good. Um, player of the season so far... I think, yeah, there's one yeah. answer. Uh, it, it, it's, it's Ryan Woods. Um, I don't really have very much to say. If you want to see what I've said about Ryan Woods... Blog, blog. <laughs> yeah, blog, go, blog. Go, go, go and read my uh, blog. It's good. In yes. my own opinion. Yeah, well, Tom, you have undersold that article massively. Uh, I had the uh, pleasure of editing it and publishing it on the Wizard site. And um, it's very easy to write. Uh, you know, a thousand words say, oh, Ryan Woods is really good at football, but uh, you've managed to get, you know, facts and evidence and uh, the the kind of thrust of the piece, uh, not to totally spoil it, was how good he's made the rest of the team and the way you back that up is it's just delightful to read from a Stoke fan's point of view, reading all Aww. these ways he's, he's improved us uh, that we perhaps miss because you know at the game you see him do that Ryan Woods thing, pick the ball up, pass it, find his man, always show for the ball, be a leader on the pitch. But you you've um, you've expressed really well the kind of uh, how he's you know transformed the team really. And uh, by all means, check that out, everyone at wizardsofdrivel.com. Yeah, there's no question he's been player of the season for me. The that's, I suppose a better question is who's our second best player of the season <laughs> been? I suppose uh, I think Tom Ince probably in mm. sort of the past few days has really because just before he got injured, I was really sort of being like, right, okay, I really like Ince, and I was, I think I said in the summer that I'd rather have Ince than. Um, Richie from Newcastle, just because I sort of, I don't know, I just like Tom Ince a bit more. And he's really, really doing it for me recently. It felt like he was going to score and then he was going to score and he kept not doing it. But now he has. We're going to have a winger who's going to score upwards of 15 goals this season. I'm sure of it, provided he stays sort of fit and stuff. But yeah, it's great to have exciting attacking players. And it's quite nice, even though I liked him when he played for us, that Ramadan's gone the other way, and that is really not working yeah. out. Yeah, oh, wow, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Ramadan. Jesus Christ, like, slowest how, player how, in the Premier League, apparently. How have the Premier League club got him, and we've got? We've got it, it doesn't. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, uh, Tom Ince, I think lately has really stepped up, and he's 
he's kind of had to because I think uh, there's been certainly without Bojan in the side that often it puts pressure on him to be the creative spark at that end of the pitch and I, I think he, he's doing really well and um, I like how he uh, looks up and tries to just tries to find that killer killer pass and it doesn't always work for him but I think he's a, a really intelligent player and he's he's certainly coming on strong and he can be frustrating at times but you know maybe a Stoke winger who isn't even Shakiri would wind people up and Arnautovic got people's backs up so I think Tom Ince is doing fine to be honest I, th- I think uh, yeah you can definitely make a case for him for second best player but of course Ryan Woods um, I think for Halloween I'm going to dress up as uh, Ryan Woods being recalled by Brentford because that's the scariest <laughs> thing I can think of right now <laughs> Oh dear! I can't uh, do that. I don't think. Yeah, so. I'm, well, I'm not ginger. Um, <laughs> so, uh, biggest disappointment? Any players you're looking at and thinking, "What's going on here?" I'd I've expected this to be a new sign at the start of the season, but it's it's probably Moritz Bauer um, because he seemed to show so much when he came in in January and sort of if we were going to stay up it was because of players like Shakiri, but also what Bauer could contribute and I expected him to come and tear this division to pieces to be honest he sort of seemed to have that pace and we hadn't seen too much of his delivery but I know in Russia it was supposedly really really good and he created loads of chances and stuff but and he's a nice guy but Mm. it just I don't know why it's just not working out at the minute, is it? He's what third choice centre uh, right back probably. Yeah, it's it's bizarre and well, it wasn't bizarre that he got dropped initially because I think he did have a poor uh, opening couple of games and uh, he was right to be dropped. But then it seemed to go almost too long without him really getting a chance back in the side, and you thought. You know, we've seen him play well in the Premier League. We know we've got these qualities. So bringing Martina in on loan and and then the whole thing about the the Instagram post and it was like, oh, some it's not gone not gone yeah. right because he signed a new deal in the summer as well. We were we were absolutely buzzing about that because we thought right, Alan signed a new deal, Bauer signed a new deal. We've signed all these new players. You know, that was one of our major causes of optimism. And yeah, that's... I'll I'll tell you what's the kind of surprising thing about that. When I was thinking of my biggest disappointment for this question, I completely forgot about Moritz Power because he's been out of action that long. I completely (laughs) haven't thought about him as as a Stoke player, which is is a real shame. And you do wonder if he does have a, a future at all. Uh, at the club. Uh, biggest disappointment for me, I mean, opening six games, I would have definitely said Joe Allen, but um, he's he's massively benefited, as you say in your article, Tom, about uh, um, as a result of the introduction of Woods. And I think Allen has definitely stepped up his game and he's, he's more comfortable doing the kind of... Um, t- you know, tearing about the pitch stuff that he's good at. Uh, and it's it's not he's not a headless chicken anymore. He's a chicken 
with a head now. So with he, a he's... with a alpaca behind him because apparently they they look after chickens from predators. So Ryan Woods is Stokes alpaca to Joe Allen's headless chicken. <laughs> there's there's some <laughs> education <laughs> for you. Although if the chicken hasn't got the head, you can argue the alpaca's not not done its job there. Depends when you bought the alpaca, which we well, definitely bought it the after the chicken had the head. <laughs> What came first, the chicken or the alpaca? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're saying Woods is the alpaca and he's reattached the head. Of, he's looked after this particular chicken so well, he's managed to reattach its head. Because you know how chickens, when they lose their heads, are kind of, they can you know stay alive, hence the headless chicken expression. Yeah. But he's managed to just put the head of the chicken back on in time. And now the chicken's, you know, laying eggs, the eggs of ball retention... <laughs> Um, <laughs> and aggressive tackles up the pitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. So I think we've stretched that metaphor as far as it will go. So what's a tabo in this? In this alpaca chicken? Uh, what? A, a, a duck? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I just is this in Peru? They have the alpacas. <laughs> Uh, that is where alpacas are from, but they are common all over the world. I am led to believe they're, they're farmed, aren't they? So they're on. It's kind of a farmyard scenario. I guess. Yeah. A, guess a tabo would be like a, uh, a, a I don't know, oh, like a stallion. Like a yeah, I like Ebo enough to be a stallion. Yeah, that that'll do. Because he like <laughs> he's not. Sometimes you're sort of like uh, he's just stood there not doing anything. Uh, but then when he like gallops and embarrasses poor championship footballers who have made a career off breaking people's legs. A phobie on the Stoke left. A phobie looks up, puts it across. Bojan with a header, yes! and Bojan has scored! Bojan, with a diving bullet header, gets Stoke back on level terms. The Stoke fans are on their feet, and they're delirious. They've been singing his name all game, and the Spanish matador may have just got Stoke a point, or is there more to come? It's Rotherham 2, Stoke City 2. What have you enjoyed about the Championship so far this season? I think, sort of, you'd already said it, it was that um, the games have been entertaining and teams aren't turning up just trying to not to lose, which is something we had in the Premier League, like, at least every other week. And if it wasn't us doing it to someone, someone else was doing it to us. So, actually, they're like the tactical side of the game and all that kind of stuff, which I really enjoy, just wasn't there. It was two teams sitting, looking at each other like, please don't hurt us, and the other side saying, please don't hurt us, and cowering. But now everyone's turning up, and at times it hasn't been great for us. Like, that Brentford game was really hard to watch. But almost it wasn't because, well, at least they're trying to play nice football and doing it that way. So, yeah, I've enjoyed that the Championship's just a bit more competitive and a bit more of a level playing field. Mm. And I would add to that uh, what I've enjoyed this season has been the analysis uh, side of things. I think because we're not in the Premier League and only a few specialised places are talking about it, that lends itself to kind of a better and kind of more considered level of analysis than you get in two minutes at the end of our game on match of the day where it would just be like oh Stoke they're not doing well are they no they're not you know and that would be it and 
I think uh, Liam Rossini on the Sky Goal Show has been pretty much spot on. Whenever I've seen him talk about Stoke, he, you can tell he's done his research and you, you can tell he's understood what we're trying to do and, you know, kind of puts our results in more context. And I think he's been widely praised by other fans of championship clubs as well, which is, uh, you know, a, a fairly positive sign as far as he's concerned. Sometimes you get a kind of duff pundit on uh, that show where it's like Clinton Morrison, I think, was like saying we should play Crouch more or something. And it was uh, something something yeah. like that. You're, you're always going to get uh, perhaps... Uh, kind of pundits who haven't quite cut their teeth yet so they're kind of a bit phased when they're on telly or something like that but in general I think the level of analysis is good and a shout out to places like uh, Not The Top 20 podcast which is you, you, I, w- I wish there was kind of we'd have had something like that for uh, like lower Premier League clubs when <laughs> we were in the Premier League because you know most football podcasts will just do Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal for pretty much the whole show and cram in the other clubs for five minutes at the end. But um, not the top 20. Uh, do Championship, League One, League Two. And there's no kind of uh, huge biases towards Leeds or Stoke or Villa or Derby or anyone like that. They they give interesting stories within the Football League time to breathe and they, and they look at things in a kind of measured almost analytical way but it's a really good listen and uh that you know i'm enjoying that podcast um a lot and i think it's a kind of backs up my point okay we're not on match the day day every week we're not in the newspapers as much but we are getting kind of a better quality of analysis on stoke now maybe not on this podcast but you get my point um (laughs) So what haven't we enjoyed about the return to the championship? I've got one very specific point that I sort of remembered over this weekend and it's been riling me up and pissing me off like every time I've thought about it. So quite a few times this weekend. It's all nice and well. Everyone's enjoying Leeds and Bielsa's fixing them. But Leeds, at the end of last season literally went on a post-season tour to a country that was carrying out a genocide. And that's just, you know, everyone's just forgot about that. Oh, look, Bielsa, oh, he sits on an upturned bucket. I, that, that is not OK. And if we were in the Premier League, I'm sure that if a team went on tour to a place where they did a genocide or were still doing one, that, that it'd be all over the news and stuff. This is where it gets really embarrassing because there is a team who I haven't thought about who have done that and nothing happened. Probably Man City, like... Or where, did, where did where did they go? Or, or well, not Man City where they went, but just like their owners, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But you do kind of raise a point about them because no one really likes to talk about that stuff, and especially with like Man City's owners and stuff, it's all kind of kind of murky. Yeah, it's it's all murky and it's horrible. It's it's not nice to talk about, but. Yeah, you do wonder if Man United had gone a t- on a tour to uh, Cambodia, was it? Myanmar or Burma. Myanmar, sorry. Sorry, yeah, Myanmar. Um, yeah, you do wonder if 
they would have gotten away with it because that is just appalling behaviour from Leeds. What are they doing there? They've um, got mental owners, as far as I'm aware, who thought that that's a really important country to go and um, improve their branding. They say uh, sport and politics shouldn't mix, Tom, and we've had this discussion uh, on the podcast before in regards to other things. But uh, compare the collective outrage of Leeds going to play football in a genocidal regime versus the collective outrage James McQueen will receive <laughs> in November. Oh, you know, it's nearly that. time. It, it you, really you is. You can feel it in the air. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's that time of year, folks. <laughs> it's like Christmas. <laughs> it's like Christmas for some fucking people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. Fuck it. Oh. Yeah, so I, that is that um that really good point about um you know the moral the moral cesspit football can become kind of uh, puts my aunts into a bit of perspective, <laughs> <laughs> and I've just thought, oh, I, I think the fans have been a bit too anxious this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just think we've been a bit too hasty to boo and get on people's backs at the game. I'm, I'm talking in terms of. Um, general kind of feeling at the match that oh we need to be on the front foot all the time we need to be attacking all the time and you know we should be four nil up and all the rest of it I mean by all means criticize a poor performance like Wigan was and like Blackburn was but did we really need to boo at full time at Rotherham as some people did I don't think so did we really need to get super anxious and you know basically bully Ryan Shawcross into booting it forward like we did against Swansea I don't think so so yeah uh, a bit more calm and positive vibes in in the stadiums would be would be fine but yeah also uh, the thing you said about the the killing and stuff yeah that's that's probably okay as well um, that is bad yes uh, so uh, the next question is about the new manager, Mr. Gary Rowett. Uh, I put out the call on Twitter for for your verdicts on Gary Rowett. What mark would you give Gary Rowett so far and how are you feeling about the games to come? Uh, Orphy says, B for signings, D for results, C overall. Next five games are tasty. Eight to ten points will be a significant statement. Genuinely excited, nervous, buzzing for what's ahead in the next four weeks. What a set of fixtures and three ace away day cities up yours Premier League. Uh, Frosty, six out of ten so far. He's done all right considering what he took over. There's been an improvement in recent weeks. Looking forward to seeing what will happen in the coming games. Too hard to tell because this league is bonkers. Uh, And Liam, a solid C so far. Definitely going in the right direction. If we can get to January and still be with us within a sniff of the top six, we can push on with two or three more decent signings. So, Gary Rowett, what does he get? Let's use the out of ten mark. Oh, oh, right. oh did you have a grade? For, I, yeah, I had a. I, I was giving him a B for Bojan, uh, Gary. But Bojan, right? Yeah, few more starts. But apart from that. I think I'd give him probably like a, a seven or even an eight out of ten. Oof. I feel he, the job he's done has sort of been well. He's, he's definitely been undermined by the defensive errors that we've talked about, which aren't like system based. Their defenders just absolutely losing it. 
and that sort of downplayed the things that he's done because our club was in a right mess after we sacked Hughes. Lambert couldn't fix it. He sort of just put all his fingers in the holes of the hull as the ship began to sink. Mm. Um, but I feel like Rowett has come in and we seem really tactically well drilled, which I can't remember us being since Pulis, really. Because even under Hughes, it all sort of seemed like one week we could turn up playing one thing, the next week it could be like the polar opposite football-wise. So I think that some of the criticism that Rowett's got, whilst deserved like in the games, like obviously a 3-0 spanking at home to Wigan is unacceptable and someone needs to feel a bit of pressure for that. I feel that some of the other criticism, some of the criticisms that's been a bit more nuanced and has been a bit more sort of, oh, well, he isn't the answer, he doesn't do this, he doesn't play the player I want him to play, etc., um, can just sort of miss the mark because I actually think he's doing a great job and I really like the bloke. Yeah, um, he's de- he definitely uh, a likeable bloke and we haven't had that kind of kind of passion in interviews. I mean, Lambert talked a good game a bit and certainly when he arrived, he was all he was Mr. Sunshine Positivity Man. But I think Rowett is kind of... He's almost like... And this isn't to have a go at him, but it's like he's blending... Uh, Hughes's kind of often grumpy, surly attitude with Lambert's positivity, and he's kind of the best of both worlds. Really, he, he's not one thing nor the other. He's um, he's positive with whilst acknowledging that things have needed to improve, and he's he's spoken very honestly, maybe a bit perhaps too honestly after the Blackburn game about uh, certain players and stuff. But yeah, I've I've never kind of well, I haven't enjoyed Stoke I don't know if I enjoyed it I haven't been interested in post-match interviews as much uh, for ages now that Gary Rout's on because I know he'll talk pretty honestly about the game and and perhaps even you know surprises like he did after that uh, Blackburn game uh, overall verdict then uh, it's it's difficult because like you say I don't think uh, well faults this season have been of Rowett's own making entirely and yet uh, we've still experienced a, a quite dismal start whatever way you look at it but he, he is improving and almost fixing these systemic problems we've had he's he's kind of got us a whole new midfield in that we've got Woods in the table and Allen seems like a different player now to what he was at the start of the season. We've got a whole new forward line and we've, you know, Eric Peters is improving. I'm unconvinced on the centre-halves at the moment, but like you say, if we cut out these mistakes, they could improve. So that is quite a turnaround, whatever way you look at it, whatever way you look at it. And let best, better managers will struggle to do that overhaul because it, it's a massive undertaking and I think there has been a kind of impatience with kind of expecting everything to happen all at once where it clearly wasn't gonna uh, but at the same time the, some of those games were really shit so <laughs> uh, I'm I'm on a six at the moment but it's like um, it's that's not like oh I think he's he's terrible it's just 
the we're on the upswing at the moment and we need the upswing to continue for a little while longer not not saying we need to win the next five or whatever but just continue this general trend of uh, improving performances and improving our overall attacking and defensive play which i think we are and what i also like is he's not been the gary rower uh, everyone said we were going to get of i think when i spoke to uh, brentford fans they hated him because he was like almost like a pulis figure who would just absolutely shit out so one nil but he's kind of combined playing some nice football using the likes of woods and etebo and occasionally once in a blue moon bojan uh, and also having Norwich, I think, is a massive game for him because it showed he can do the the really gritty, rely on your defence stuff. And that was a huge kind of statement from us, I thought. So, yeah, six at the moment, but I've got full faith that it can be, by the time we do the kind of half-term report, it'll be eight, who knows, maybe even nine. Um, the next question I had was, what do we need in January to improve? But I, I think... Uh, was it centre backs for you, Tom? Is there anything else you're yeah, looking at? Maybe an extra winger, just because there was a point where we looked like we were staring down the barrel of having no Ince and no McLean, which just I, I think we're like short of one winger, mm. maybe. But yeah, centre backs. We need just a, a, a first team centre back who's just better than what we've got. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the final question then, if you recall the uh, pre-season preview we did, Tom, uh, you said we were going to finish top of the league and I uh, was more cautious and had us way down in third place. Uh, But has the opening quarter of the season made you reassess that prediction? Where do you think we're going to finish? See, bringing it back up, I feel like you've challenged me to be stupid <laughs> and say first again. Um, but I'm going to learn from my lesson there and still be quite positive. I can genuinely only see us finishing in the top six. Um, I feel like this isn't just a, a good patch. I feel like this is probably a corner turned. Obviously, we, we've got two perfect games to test it. Birmingham are really firing quite well even though they haven't had the results and um, obviously Sheffield United away is probably our toughest game all season Um, so yeah I think coming out of that we'll know a lot more but yeah I think top six yeah well I've downgraded my prediction from third to fifth so I share your top six optimism I I completely agree that um, that we seem to know what we're doing a lot more, which is so refreshing. Just uh, how many times on the podcast have we said, well, we know what we're doing now. I barely ever. So uh, yeah. that's a massive relief. Um, and I think like even the, the teams that are up there at the moment, like any number of them could wobble and fall away. And any number of teams from where we are now in kind of mid table could uh, surge up the table and improve. Dean Smith could do a great job at Aston Villa and bring them back up. I have my doubts about that. Uh, Bielsa could, you know, com- completely go off the rails at Leeds. Uh, 
who knows what Sheffield United are going to do. The only the only team I, I think will probably stay about where they are up that end of the table is Middlesbrough because I just know Pulis is an absolute... <laughs> he's just an absolute fiend, isn't he? I, 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 yeah. I, I love him in a way. <laughs> he's just going to... He's just going to... You can tell there's going to be uh, a moment in the season where we... we we cross paths in some way because we haven't yet and it's going to be absolute carnage. Um, <laughs> so I can't wait for that. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, so, we're kind of downgrading from looking at automatic to looking at somewhere in the top six. But, you know, that's that's fine. I think we, we perhaps overestimated how good we were or how quickly we were able to to sort the team out. But, uh, the optimism is back still. Maybe a little bit scarred. Maybe it's been tempered a little bit, but the optimism is still there. And I think that more than anything is is just huge at the moment because optimism. I just don't. I just don't know what it's how it's. Yeah, <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, so join us uh, next week after the Birmingham game where we, you know, if we lose, everything's terrible again and we just all want to want to sack Rowett and all the rest of it. But until then, enjoy the optimism. Thank you very much, Tom, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Go on, Stoke.